you know, I, I think for me, it was listening to a lot of different, different music and not being judgmental of any style of music. So, you know, sometimes you get these jazz guys who like don't listen to metal or metal guys who don't listen to jazz. Th that doesn't exist for me. I don't, I don't think that that's even a healthy way to approach music. I think you should just be very open-minded to all styles. I would tell, I would tell an up-and-comer that, number one. DA Music, this is Dave Schultz. Dave Schultz is a composer and one of Los Angeles' most in-demand keyboardists. He has recorded and toured with the Goo Goo Dolls, Berlin, C.O. Jones, Wang Chung, the B-52s, Bo Diddley, the Chambers Brothers, Macy Gray, Rick Springfield, Warrant, and many more. His broad background and diverse influences Make Dave a versatile musician who can perform at a high level in any genre. We asked him about his musical upbringing and his journey to the level of professional musician, which began with his father, a pianist and orchestra conductor. Yeah, I mean, you know, sadly he died when I was 10, but I, I, got, I got to catch a glimpse of his life's work kind of towards he had cancer basically and i you know between i guess you know five and ten years old i would be dragged to the you know the philharmonic and you know in the beginning i was i, I never wanted to go but then i saw obviously i slowly got into it <laughs> and then you know he stuck me in the he would sit me in the pit with the orchestra which was fascinating and um i you know it was i think i just kind of naturally absorbed the energy of all of that and uh i didn't actually play the piano or even start to learn until after he died so something something happened there but um i remember learning pretty quickly like as soon as i started so i, I guess i started playing around i guess 11 or 12 which is late for most piano players but my one sister is is a great singer and my brother who lives in boston is like a classically trained sort of percussionist new music type of guy and uh so so there's there's three of us and then there was my dad so the other the other siblings went off to do a, a lot of different things <laughs> so my sister was singing in clubs at around 17 and she she's quickly became like the top singer in our in our city at a young age before she was even drinking age, which is kind of funny. So she was doing all these gigs and I think she would, she would kind of just take me into these clubs. Obviously I was way underage, but I would, I would be just fascinated with all the instruments and everyone was tall. And I was just like absorbed into this rock, rock and roll scene from my sister via my sister. Um, uh, and I had simultaneously, I had been taking piano lessons uh, on the, on the recommendation of my brother, as I said, after my dad died, I started around 12. So I, I had equal doses jazz, equal doses classical. So at that point, I really was just a student. I wasn't really deciding it for a career. But I think by the time I was 17, so we're talking about five years there, between 12 and 17, I kind of um, became... I became kind of in demand in, in the local scene. And I, I, you know, was just playing in local bands and stuff. Got into this one tour with a band called Marvelous Sauce, which, <laughs> great name. 
that you know they got signed on a subsidiary of EMI called Eureka Records out of Toronto and you know in my young mind I thought we were going to be rock stars so I went on a, a tour with them at 17 and I think at that point after that little tour it was about a two-month tour in a van going across Canada in the winter brutal <laughs> brutal still haven't done it that bad to this day but uh, I think after that point I decided I wanted to make it a career so it was kind of a combination of a the lessons b getting popular in the local scene and then see finally actually being on a real tour i think that kind of cemented it i was a good student in high school i had like a 98 average i was i was literally halfway through my senior year when that tour started and they asked me to go i had to quit high school to go basically <laughs> three and a half years of high school 98 average and then i just up and quit <laughs> my mom, my parents weren't too happy but i uh, i slipped a note under the door because i was scared to tell them and I basically said, I have to do this, mom. This is what I want to do. And, you know, 30 years later, she's happy. But that was it. So Marvelous Sauce across Canada, subsidiary of EMI. You know, I was 17. The rest of the band was in their tw late 20s. So they were they were older. So I was, I was just feeling like I was, you know, hanging with a good group. And it was just a lot of fun. So I was the catalyst. I was playing a lot of jazz and classical via those lessons I was taking and, and, and locally in groups. So I had like a, a funk band that was, that I started when I was 16, which, and I had a, a couple of like just straight up rock and roll bands doing a lot of different stuff musically. Um, the music I was playing in that particular band was kind of like, I would call it like a cross between kind of like Brit pop squeeze meets XTC. So very sort of melodic power pop. I mean, that's just technically what I was doing with them, but Obviously, I had a lot of other, you know, a lot of other influences going. Since the onset of COVID-19, musicians and music lovers like us have been mourning the loss of live music. We asked Dave to share some fond memories of his time on the stage. Here's what he had to say. The biggest thrill I ever had, I mean, I'll say two, two thrills, was playing, I was playing at the W Hotel which is kind of a swanky, you know, downtown LA, or not downtown, in Hollywood. I was playing in an eight-piece sort of jazz cabaret show with, with, you know, burlesque dancers and all that. Pretty cool. And the uh, manager comes over and says, hey, man, you, you got to play some Stevie Wonder. I said, well, why? I mean, I love Stevie Wonder, but why? He goes, because he's sitting right there. I go, well, that's exactly why I'm not going to play Stevie Wonder. <laughs> So uh, I ended up playing Stevie Wonder for Stevie Wonder, and he ended up singing the song with me. Uh, like halfway through, he came up and, and actually stood next to me and finished the song with me on stage. So that was pretty, pretty amazing. I think another great memory was when I was touring with the Goo Goo Dolls, which was my first kind of major tour in 98. So I was probably, I don't know, I guess I was 24 at the time, 25, but they... Um, Open for the Stones. So I got to open for the Stones, the Rolling Stones, for 12, 12 shows. And that was beyond a thrill, you know, meeting those guys and hanging out and all that. Here's how a player like Dave adjusted to life under lockdown. Well, you know, it's, it's actually easy for me to answer that. 
you would ask me that March, I'd be like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> but so it happens. I ended up just doing all these things, which I'll get into in a second, that, that I was putting off when I was playing. You know, before the pandemic, I was playing five gigs a week constantly for the last 20 years. And it was just, I didn't realize how that was blocking me from doing a lot of things that I wanted to do musically, like, you know, make a new record, um, you know, learn, learn a little bit more about uh, engineering myself, which I was never very good at. I always had to hire guys to do it. So this pandemic kind of forced me into the isolation thing, forced me to learn a lot of things that I was putting off and kind of get organized in other areas. But you know, I was I was just kind of a gigging machine. I was constantly playing shows up until March. Like literally, we were on a cruise ship <laughs> when it happened. So you know, the last gig I played was the '80s cruise, which was March 14th. So yeah, since then I've been writing a lot, which has been great. You know, I've been doing these these sort of fun collaboration videos with a lot of the great musicians that I know. That's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, just being, being as creative as I can be. And actually, I, I'm finding it very rewarding, uh, uh, oftentimes a lot more than some of these gigs were. I made one record in 2009 called Connect, which I was super proud of, and I put pretty much all my savings into promoting it but it didn't it wasn't like you need like a million dollars i had like 20 grand so it <laughs> didn't make a dent but i'm super proud of the record and i'm kind of making the second one from that so it's kind of a similar theme part two version so just writing another record you're gonna try to try to get it done by november you know i kind of just do that in between jobs that I have so it's kind of it's not like I'm sitting there all day working on it it's just a thing that I, I look forward to when I can when I'm able to work on it and I think actually that makes the best record because you're not rushing anything with the news of a new Dave Schultz record on the way we had to find out more about his creative process how does a composer like Dave recognize when a project is finished and it's time to put the pencil down? Hmm. Okay, I used to be really bad at that. Like, all of us going crazy, like, you know, there's a million ways to end a song, there's a million ways to do the bridge. Do I modulate? Do I not modulate? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I've become more confident. This, uh, let me just figure this out. I feel like I've become more confident in my instincts Meaning, the way I hear a song right from the get-go is usually how I end up going with it these days. Back 20 years ago, I would have been open to any possibility. Um, but I, I realized during, through, the, through those experiences that sometimes it suffers. I mean, if you, if you overanalyze it. Um, you know, like David Lee Roth used to say, he would do 27 takes, but he's in his entire career he's never used anything past the third take even though he did 27 every time so you know goes back to the initial inspiration idea is usually the most realized thought 
obviously there's edits you want to make, but I don't try to deviate too far from the original impulse. Nibbling on sponge cake Watching the sun bake All of those tourists covered with oil Strumming my six string You might not recognize it, but you're listening to Dave's new version of Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. This arrangement feels radically different from the original. Let's hear what Dave had to say about his motivation. The story behind that is I, I always, in my deviant mind, I was thinking, I want to I redo a song that I, that I don't like and see if I can make it something into that I like. So I had some ideas like the Macarena, Electric Slide, Brown Eyed Girl, Margaritaville, Light Bulb. You know, I was going through all these sort of like really heinous covers that people request at weddings. And, you know, every party you've been to, every corporate event, it's like the same songs over and over again. I was like, I want to make one of these songs that I can't stand into something really cool. So Margaritaville came up and I was listening to it and I was like reading the lyrics, you know, looked them up online. I'm like, actually, this is a cool song, but the lyrics are kind of, they're kind of dark, you know, and, and, and uh, they tell a story, you know, so I was like, I'm going to take these lyrics and, and, make music that I think suits the story better than what he did, <laughs> even though it's his song. I mean, I'm not going to say better. That's not a good word. But I'm saying uh, music that reflected the story I was reading, in my mind, better. So that was the inspiration. And then Hannah was just, just playing it through with the, with the producer at the time. We just started getting all these ideas for who we wanted to play on it. So, you know, Bernard Fowler. Actually, I had a girl come in and do actual real opera singing on that part in the middle. And then Bernard was in the studio, who's who I met on the Rolling Stones tour. He's been with the Stones for like 30 years or so. He heard it and he was like, hey Dave, let me try that. <laughs> I go, okay, you wanna go toe to toe with this real opera singer? He goes, yeah. So he actually did a better job. I mean, I couldn't believe it. So I just, you know, that was that, that kind of stuff was going on with that track. So it was like, kind of snowballed into this party of a recording. (laughs) Dave's new band is Dave Schultz and the Funk Dolls featuring an all-star lineup of seven female musicians, plus himself on keys and vocals. They perform funk and R&B hits all around L.A. Lately, the Dolls have been producing videos of their remote jams. Dave tells us how this group formed and how he selects musicians to collaborate with. Yeah, I mean, you know, over the years, I think, speaking of this pool of musicians, um, I realized there were a lot of female musicians that, were just stellar and it wasn't like I was trying to capitalize on that in a sexist type of way I just thought it would be a really fun thing to watch like almost like Robert Palmer did in the 80s with the um, Addicted to Love I was kind of going for that 
sort of tongue-in-cheek, a little bit kitschy, kind of quirky, but still fun and not not offensive, you know? Like, each one of these chicks can play their asses off. So it's, it's no joke. I mean, like, I got a bunch of, you know, models up there playing one note. So I just thought that was a good... I thought I had a lot of um, uh, appeal for clubs and corporate events and things like that. Although... What it ended up turning into was really just a bunch of recordings and a couple of videos. We haven't really played out that much, but we will in the new year. I think through years of playing with a lot of different sort of styled band, like stylistically diverse bands, I feel like I gained a good sense, almost like a casting director in a film, like who would be good for that part. Like, I know a guy that would play a Guns N' Roses riff perfectly, but I would never, ever in a million years hire him to play on a funk sound. So it's, it's like everyone has their gift that they offer that they do better than anybody else. So, and I'm not the guy to determine what that is. I'm only going off, again, my instincts. So it's just, if I feel that this person is good for this part by interacting with them over the years or seeing them or hearing them or looking sometimes just going on a YouTube page, whatever strikes me as appropriate for what I'm going for. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just get that person, you know? And actually sometimes I've actually even hired other keyboard players because, you know, in the same spirit, maybe there was something I wouldn't do as well as this other guy as a keyboard player. So I'm not excluded from that. I think Martin Scorsese said that too once. He was like, he only gets actors that he knows can do the, the part. Like, he doesn't search for the most famous guy. You know, so that's... That's kind of how it goes with me. I've been, I've been lucky to be around a lot of great musicians, so I think that helps. <laughs> The Funk Dolls continue to release videos on YouTube. Dave tells us where to find his channel and his other social media profiles. I'm doing a, a video series that is the Funk Dolls. We just put out a video called Shining Star, but I'm going to do probably a bunch of more videos with different collaborations. i got one with Cherie Curry coming up. So in that same spirit of that last Shining Star video, I'll probably put one out every couple of weeks on my YouTube page. So if you want to, um, you know, it'd be cool to have people subscribe to that if they want to see some of these cool videos. A lot of great artists that I'm collaborating with. Uh, so Instagram is Dave Schultz Keys. People always spell my name wrong, so it's I'll just it's Dave S C H U L Z Keys is Instagram. Dave Schultz Music is Facebook. There's a group which is basically completely based on my live shows, which is called Dave Schultz Live. And the YouTube page is brand new, so I don't have, you know, I'm not allowed to put a name on it yet, but it's, if you just type in my name, you'll find it. Um, but as soon as I get a name, a URL, a personal URL, I will let you know. 
But yeah, if you just search Dave Schultz, Shining Star, you'll find it. Finally, we asked Dave to share some advice for a young musician or music professional finding their place in the industry. You know, um, there's so many answers to that. I mean, you got to be realistic with your goals. Don't throw away too many financial opportunities, but also got to follow your passion because, you know, music takes a lot of hours. It takes practice. You know, there's a lot of time involved. So, like for me, I was getting a computer science degree while I was pursuing music in, in my mind. Maybe I'm a little too practical, but in my mind, I was looking at that as a way, as a backup plan. You know, the computer degree was like, in my mind, like a backup plan in case the music didn't work out. But I'm not saying I would recommend that to up and comers, but it doesn't hurt to have a backup plan. But as far as on the, just the music side alone, you have to be really dedicated as far as, again, trusting your gut, but also listening to the greats, listening to a lot of records, you know, playing, you know, in the beginning, four or five hours a day, if you can schedule it. <laughs> you know, I, I think for me, it was listening to a lot of different, different music and not being judgmental of any style of music. So, you know, sometimes you get these jazz guys who like don't listen to metal or metal guys who don't listen to jazz. Th that doesn't exist for me. I don't I don't think that that's even a healthy way to approach music. I think you should just be very open minded to all styles. I would tell I would tell an up and comer that number one. And that play makes you that makes you more diverse as a player, too. So it just kind of happens. DA Music is proud to feature the music of Dave Schultz in our Quintessential Hits catalog, and we look forward to hearing his upcoming releases with great anticipation. This has been our Damn Good Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. All music played in this episode are songs by the artists themselves. You can check out their music on our artist page at damusiclibrary.com. DA Music is clearance-free, and we are always here for your project and production needs. Check us out at damusiclibrary.com. 